everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast, heard on SB Nation Radio, as well as, of course, powered by Amazon and Amazon Prime. I'm Jim Williams, your host, and joining us as always from the Tampa Bay area, we have Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson, the Sunshine Boys themselves up in Boston. We have Tim Williams, and today we have a very special guest, and that very special guest is Danny Mantle. Now, Danny, of course, is the son of the legendary Yankee superstar Mickey Mantle, the man who was one of the best players ever to put on the pinstripes. In 18 seasons with New York, from 1951 to 1968, he won seven world championships. He was the most valuable player three times, won a triple crown, hit 536 career home runs with an OPS of 172. Ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't get much better than that. Danny, welcome to uh, the Sunshine Boys podcast. Ira Kaufman, you've got the first question. All right. Uh, Danny, um, in terms of uh, memorabilia, uh, which is, uh, you know, a booming business, obviously, in sports, Danny, um, what's your uh, what's your sense of uh, the popularity uh, of your dad uh, in in the memorabilia business? Uh, uniforms, baseballs, uh, cards. Uh, the Mantle legacy, Danny. It, it 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 certainly does endure, doesn't it? Yeah, it really has, and um, you know, it's it's really nice because. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff that's not real out there too, and so it's um, you know when we came to Panini to do these cards and things, you know, me and David, uh, we're getting older as well, and um, we've held on to a lot of our stuff, and so we kind of wanted to start getting rid of some of our things because you know we don't want it to just waste, and so it's um, but yeah, Dad's. Uh, memorabilia is still very popular and um it's it's really crazy but um you know he's been gone now 22 years and so it's uh but you don't know that you wouldn't know that so it's it's been very you know his cards the cards that are out there are still the most sought after you know collectors and so um it's just really nice that people still do that, you know. Joe Henderson. Uh, welcome to the show. We appreciate you joining us. Um, I have a quick story about your dad, uh, believe it or not. Okay. Back, uh, I used to work uh, when it existed in the Tampa Tribune Sports Department. And when fantasy camps were first beginning, the Tribune assigned me to actually go participate in a week-long Yankees fantasy camp over in St. Petersburg. So I went over there, and they had uniforms for us, everything. I'm out there acting like I could play ball. And I'm in the batting cage, just taking batting practice one day, and I hear behind me, would you like a tip? And I turn around, and arms up on the, the cage, watching me swing, Mickey Mantle. And I went, yes, sir, I would like a tip. Uh, it, that's that's still one of the, the the most favorite moments that I ever had in sports writing. My question for you would be: 
as you mentioned, your dad's been gone for 22 years. There people of a certain age, and I am in that group, remember him very well. Um, but as you watch, do you do you watch today's game? Are you a fan of of any of the players you see today? And if so, who would that be? Yeah, you know, I don't get to watch a lot of the Yankee games. Um, seems like they used to have more on. Um, haven't really been able to see a lot of the Yankees, but um, me and my son, we go out to some of the Ranger games, and you know, of course, I like watching Trout and Harper and and those guys. And um, but really, you know, it's mostly uh, just seeing the highlights and things. I haven't. Unless you know, I'm going out to the Ranger games, and so um, it's you know we haven't really been able to see a lot of different games. But um, you know we're from Texas, so that's why we go out to the Ranger games, and um, that's that's probably the team I follow the most. But um, you know, you were mentioning the fantasy camps, and um, we used to have the Whitey Ford Mickey Mantle fantasy camp, and um, I was wondering if that's what you were talking about. No, this, I, although I I did actually pop in one time to do a story on, on that and found your dad and Whitey Ford together and had a, a great conversation with them. But the one I was referring this was back when they were really just first getting started, and yeah. there were a lot of the old Yankees there. There was, you know, Tom Trash and Moose Scourin and, and I think uh, Whitey was there for a while and, and just um, Jerry Lumpy, you know, just a, a, a great collection of, of, uh, of guys. And they were a blast to be around. They were a lot of fun. And, um, you know, when it came time to play ball, they took it pretty seriously. So that was fun too. Yeah. Yeah, those were really fun because, you know, there would be 90 guys per camp. And, um, you know, it was even myself, I'd love to sit and listen to all those guys' stories from, you know, back when they played in the 50s and 60s. And um, so we just really enjoyed doing those camps. Yeah, it's... there was a, a fun moment in that, too. Um, forgive me for interrupting, Jim, but no, – when he, you mentioned there were like 90 guys in the camps, and, and that's that's about right. And when it came time to play the game, it was supposed to be the campers against the old Yankees. And, yeah. you know, the old Yankees, there were, you know, maybe a dozen or 15 of them, whatever, not a whole lot. And these games could drag on for a long time because everybody got to bat. So long story yeah. short, uh, they wound up, I played third base, so they wound up sending me out to play third base with the Yankees for a couple of innings. And so I'm playing third base next to Tom Tresh and, and you know, uh, throwing the ball over to Moose Scourin. And, you know, uh, I, I think I just need to drop the mic after that one because it's hard to top that one. It absolutely yeah. is. Um, you know, talking about – uh, the fantasy camps. Um, I did have an opportunity to talk to your father and uh, Whitey Ford about the legend that had it in uh, Al Lopez Field when they first saw Pete Rose. And he just was playing right field and, and uh, running down everything out there or attempting to do it. And uh, I asked them if they um, 
were indeed the guys who gave him the nickname Charlie Hustle. And it's funny, your father looked over at Whitey, they looked at each other, and they said, as far as we're concerned, yeah, that's the answer. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, as far as they're concerned, regardless of whether or not that was the fact or not, they're going to, if that, if that legend is going to be there, they're going to take it. So they take ownership on of it. Know. And Pete, of course, was quite gracious about the fact that he thought that was the case. And even from Pete's standpoint, he was good with it. I'm sorry, Danny, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, um, I had done a radio show back when Pete was doing a radio show. Mm-hmm. It wasn't too long after dad had passed away. And, uh, but he, and I, I didn't know that story at the time, but Pete told mm-hmm. me the story on the radio. So that's always been one of my favorite stories as well. So, well, Lord knows there's a bunch of them. Uh, they really yeah. are. Tell us about what you're doing down there in Texas with you, your brother, and your family now with the Panini folks. Well, you know, um, we had had a long-term um, card deal with another company, and um, it went for seven years, so we kind of felt like it had been saturated, you know, the market, and so we took a five-year break, and, um, you know, and, and during that five years, you know, we just kept getting so many emails and calls and things and people wanting those cards back, and so uh, when it came time, you know, me and David thought, you know, it's probably time to, to put some more cards out, and and like I had mentioned, you know, we have this uh, the fantasy camp uniforms of my dad's and um, a lot of signatures and things like that. And so we had uh, had gone to Panini with it, and um, mm-hmm. and we liked everybody there, and everything worked out, and and liked their cards that they're doing, and and uh, you know they had given us the chance to be involved a lot more than any of the other companies would have. And so uh, we really, you know, enjoy everybody that we've met there. And so it's, it's been more of a, you know, it's, it's more involvement for us. And, um, and that's something that we really like. So we, that's how we, you know, ended up with Panini. So uh, we're just very happy to be there with them. Well, I think from a history standpoint, um, baseball really, because it's been around for so long, uh, history means something. And certainly uh, the legend of what your father was like, those of us, Ira, Joe, and I uh, had the pleasure as kids watching him play. And uh, now, you know, hopefully through this new process, through the eternal card, if you will, is an opportunity to give – you know, generations who didn't have that pleasure of watching your father and other outstanding players play of that time. Um, maybe they'll get yeah, a little bit more the importance of history. Go ahead. Yeah. I was saying that's the other side of it. You know, we, uh, me and David do a lot of um, certain teams have Mickey Mantle days at the minor league level, mm-hmm. you know, in the stadiums through the summer. And so we'll, we go to these events and uh, whatever it may be, the team's handing out, we'll either sign stuff for them or take pictures with the fans or whatever. And, and so, but as the kids come through the line, you know, it's, it's really amazing to us that these kids, you know, they're from 12 to 
you know, 18 or something. And mm-hmm. they seem to know so much about Mickey Mantle and, and the, uh, you know, of course, dad's known for his power and or everybody mm-hmm. loves the home runs. And so, and that's, a, that's a lot of their kid, the kids questions and, you know, they know about his World Series records and things like that. So it's just been it's really neat to see the kids. But you're right, you know, we we want to continue that legacy. And so, um, you know, because you have to do something to keep someone hot, you know. And so it's, right. um, it's just nice to be able to do that. Well, I can tell you from firsthand experience that um... – if you ever want to get into a trivial pursuit game about the life and times of Mickey Mantle, do not get into it with Bryce Harper because he knows it's almost as if he knows that better than his own lineage of where he, he probably knows the the history of Mickey Mantle better than uh, members of his family. So um, he, oh, he's yeah, a big time fan. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's, that's one of the reasons I've watched Harper because, you know, I knew he was, you know, like Mickey Mantle and things, and so, um, and he's just a pleasure to watch. And like I mentioned, Trout, uh, Trout and sure, you know, man, Giancarlo, mm-hmm. Stanton, you know, he's he's a power guy, and you know, I just I enjoy a lot of the of today players, you know. Absolutely. Well, I let's a, uh, go ahead, Danny. I got a question, uh, Jeff. I got a question. Oh, Ira, go ahead. Um, yeah. Uh, Dan, you know, I think we'd all agree. Um, your father's one of the most scrutinized uh, athletes of, of the modern era. Uh, probably 28, you know, biographies of, of, of number seven. Um, and, Danny, one, one thing that comes through all of them is uh, maybe the profound effect that uh, your grandfather had on uh, – on Mickey's uh, development as a player, his drive, um, Danny, what uh, what did uh, what did your father tell you uh, about his father? Uh, what have you been managed to piece together about uh, what kind of role he played uh, in your dad's career? Well, he, you know, his dad was very instrumental in his, you know, his baseball and. I think my dad said once, you know, he knew what he wanted to be at five years old. And, uh, you know, he didn't, for Christmas, he didn't get anything but something referring to baseball. And so, uh, you know, it was just drilled into him. And so, and his grandfather as well. But, you know, his dad lived to make my dad a ball player. And, um, you know, he was so instrumental in that. And, um, you know, I think he was so, when his dad, you know, his dad passed away dad's first year of, of, uh, ball. And so, uh, you know, it's just amazing to me that he kept so much, you know, he was so much stronger after his dad passed, but he did miss that guidance, you know, and, um, cause his dad had always been there for him. And it was just, uh, I think when he lost his dad, you know, that's when a lot of his, you know, internal things got bad. But because uh, I think had my grandfather's lived, you know, my dad would have, you know, 
as good as dad was, I think he would have been a lot better, you know, and, um, but it was, um, yeah, he was very instrumental in his career. Danny, how can we get um, the Mickey Mantle Eternal cards and all the uh, great memorabilia that you guys have through uh, Panini? Well, uh, the website is PaniniEternal.com. Okay. And um, you can go to that and... Uh, and they'll, you know, it'll show you how to get them. And like I said, we're just very proud of them. And, um, you know, the, all the memorabilia that's on them and everything is, is coming from me and David. So, you know, we know that it's 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 real and, and it's good. And we're just very proud of the cards and, uh, you know, appreciate anything everybody does. Thanks to Danny Mantle for joining us and talking about his legendary father. All the memorabilia and uh, Legends cards from Panini can be found in our message box uh, right here uh, on the Sunshine Boys podcast. So in our message box on the Sunshine Boys podcast, all the links are there so that you'll be able to find everything you need to know about uh, the Mickey Mantle Legends cards. Okay? All right. We're going to step aside for a short break. Uh, we're going to hear from the folks at Amazon Prime, and when we return, we're going to talk First week of the NFL, right after these words. You're listening to the Sunshine Boys on SB Nation, powered by Amazon Prime. Hey everyone, let's talk a little bit about Amazon Prime. Now, if you are a fan of the Sunshine Boys, then you're going to get a free 30-day trial of Amazon Prime. Now, besides the bargains you get on pretty much everything you could ever possibly want, you get two days free shipping. In some cases, in some areas, you can get one day free shipping. Okay, You also get free access to Amazon Prime Video, the home of great original content like The Man in the High Castle, Transparent, plus some of your favorite binge-watching shows like Orphan Black, 24, or Downton Abbey. You also get access to thousands of very cool albums and CDs on Amazon Music, all for free. That's right. So, no reason why you should not take that 30-day trial that we're offering to you right here at the Sunshine Boys. Give Amazon Prime a 30-day free trial on us. We guarantee you're going to sign up afterwards. Just click the link in the box below. That's click the link in our description box to get 30 free days of Amazon Prime. Welcome back to the Sunshine Boys. Um, it is week one of the National Football League. I want to thank both Mr. Henderson and Mr. Kaufman for reminding me. Uh, this one counts, and unfortunately, um, on many levels, because of the uh, impending, and we hope it's not catastrophic problems that are going on with Hur Hurricane Irma, uh, the National Football League has postponed the opener for the Dolphins and the uh, Bucks that was set to be played at, Sun at the, the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. And so, boys, um, week one, no game. <laughs> you know, uh, Joe, uh, the, the NFL didn't have a lot of great options here. They, they didn't. Um, and, you know, what head coach wants to go 16 straight weeks when 30 teams in this league, Joe, are going to have a breather at some point? Uh, yes, it's a competitive disadvantage. 
Joe, but I mean, to force a game in, 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 in New Orleans or, or Atlanta and Miami didn't want to give up another home game. They play in London this year. That means they would have had only really six home games. That's not fair. So not great answers. Push the game back. They're going to get criticized, Joe, because that's what happens in this league. Uh, people are going to rip Goodell. Uh, but you know what? I, I think they made the right call. And uh, suck it up. Play 16 games uh, in a row. And uh, if you do well, nobody will be talking about it. You know, and, and I don't want to sound harsh here, but people who are ripping the NFL over this need to get a life. This is a Category 5 horrific weather event. They, they've never seen a storm with this power in the Atlantic Basin. Sorry, but football doesn't even measure a map dot on this. And you're not going to – obviously, you're not going to play on Sunday when, you know, the, the thing is supposed to be hitting on Sunday. So, you know, that's not happening. And you can't move it anywhere in the state of Florida because all of Florida is under an, an emergency declaration. Can't move it to New Orleans. Can't move it to – wherever the only option is to do what they did and you know folks i'm sorry that a category five hurricane messed with your fantasy football plans but get over it you know there are lives at stake here and i can't even believe this is an issue i really can't the one thing i would be concerned about is what if these teams hadn't had the same bye week does that mean the nfl really didn't have a contingency plan for this because this is a thing that it's not like this is a unique situation for September. This is hurricane season. There are teams that are in the path of these things from time to time. You would think the NFL would be prepared for this, but as Ira said, as Joe said, there really aren't any good options here. It's not like there was one choice the NFL could make where this would matter. This is a secondary thing in an emergency and people have to worry about much more important things in football right now. It just makes me wonder if these teams hadn't conveniently had the same bye week, what would the NFL have done if these other options are so unpalatable to them? Well, what they would have done is what major league baseball did last week with the Houston Astros uh, when the disaster unfolded in, in Houston, they moved a series with the Rangers to Tropicana Field, ironic. And they played three games over there, donated the money to Houston relief efforts. And then the Astros, it, it, I guess it cleared up enough last weekend that they could go back um, to to Houston and, and play the Mets. If, they, if these teams didn't have the same bye week, to get specifically to your question, then they would have had to move it to new, you know, wherever, New Orleans or, you know, even a college stadium somewhere to get the game in, and that would have just been the breaks, you know. Uh, some things are bigger than football, and this is this definitely qualifies. Ira, say you. Ironically, Jim. Ironically, uh, yeah. the, the absolute peak of hurricane season historically, mm-hmm. is, is September 10th, September 10th, that, uh, that was the date, that, that was, that was the date of the Bucks dolphins opener, 
September 10th. I mean, it's we all know it, and you know, if it's not a natural disaster from this standpoint, we've had them before. We've had um, you know freak snowstorms. We had all kinds of things. Um, I do think that you know that the National Football League not rushing to decide what to do, other than to say that you know last night that the teams were not going to play in Miami made all the sense in the world. The closest stadium, ironically, that was open. We're talking about National Football League Stadium that was open that was not potentially in the in the um in the crosshairs of the of the storm was M T Bank Stadium in Baltimore. So wow. that would have been the closest stadium for them to play in. And um I I think that um you know uh had they had to go that route, well then as Joe said it probably would have been the money would have gone to the relief effort, whatever. But fortunately, you know, as as wild as it sounds, they ended up uh, locking out that both these teams had, uh, uh, you know, had uh, dates that they could work out because of their um, off dates. But, you know, in the past, I know you guys remember it wasn't that long ago when, um, forget the Ravens, it was, a, it was Ravens Jets or somebody, they ended up playing the game in Detroit because of uh, issues that they had. So they, I mean, it's not like they don't move these things, but I think in this case, um, they did what they could do. They made it right. And, you know, like it or not, uh, it's just the way that things are going to have to be done. Well, Ira, Ira mentioned coaches earlier, you know, uh, 16 straight weeks. What about the players? I mean, it is a grind on them. There's no question about that. And they really do look forward to that open date so that they can recover a little bit from the aches and pains. I'll go a step further. What if either of these teams qualifies for the playoffs and um, winds up maybe as a wild card having to play that first weekend? So now you're, you know, you're talking about a massive amount of wear and tear on the body. Not making that is not a criticism of the NFL at all. It's just kind of the way it works out, and it's. Uh, kind of luck of the draw for the Bucks or the Dolphins, but it's something uh, that they have to deal with. And, you know, maybe, uh, you know, to get to the point that was made about this being peak hurricane season, you know, maybe you start looking at that and going, okay, maybe we better send these teams to uh, – for the opening weekend, maybe we better send them someplace in the future where uh, we're not going to worry about uh, this happening. I, I don't know, but it's, I think it is going to be a problem. Climate change. Oh my gosh. I just politicized our podcast. Climate change is going to result in stronger and, and more active uh, hurricane seasons. And, and, Maybe the NFL better come up with a plan for this because I don't think it'll be the last time that we're faced with it. Probably Jim, not. Jim, Go ahead. Jim as, far as, uh, Jim, as far as the teams that are playing um, on this opening weekend, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, and, and of course, Henderson needs no such prompting, Jim. Uh, but You're uh, wrong, but anyway, go uh, ahead. This, this 2017 season, mm-hmm. to me, it's like all hands on deck against New England. That, that's what it's all about. And whether people are tired of New England, they hate New England, they can't stand Belichick, 
Brady's a cheater. Uh, they have run off a streak that we haven't seen since the, uh, the 49ers uh, mm-hmm. from 1981 for about 15 years. The difference is they're doing it with one head coach and mm-hmm. one quarterback. And San Francisco yeah. didn't do that. Uh, and they're doing it during an era of free agency. I think it's more impressive what's mm-hmm. been going on in Foxborough. And to back up my point, Tim, look what's going on in Pittsburgh. Um, they're grabbing up defensive backs, uh, you know, six at a time because they figure they're going to make the playoffs, which I think they are. Mm-hmm. And, they're t- and they're tired of getting uh, carved up by Brady. And burned, yeah. they got you know, they got to get somebody to cover these guys. So here's Joe Hayden. They just mm-hmm. picked up uh, Wilcox from the Bucks. He just got cut, safety. And um, that's what it's all about. Teams uh, that are good teams gearing up to try to get better to stop Brady and company. That's what it's all about. Okay, boys, let me do this, if you don't mind. Let's, um, let's shuttle through the schedule for week one. And we'll get some comments on each one of the games, all right? So let's start with New England and Kansas City. That game will have been played by the time we uh, most people get to hear this. So um, Kansas City, New England, that's your opening night kickoff, Thursday night, NBC. Um, the defending champion Patriots at home against Ira, your Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, we'll give you first thought because it's Kansas City. All right, I'll be brief. Uh, as an old Chiefs fan, back to the uh, AFL days, um, I don't believe the Chiefs will go in with much confidence into Foxborough. <laughs> Alex Smith, you know, still throwing his little bubble screens, uh, you know, trying to work 14-play, 80, 83-yard drives, and um, and and given, given Brady – you know, any any uh, nine-yard pass he wants. No pass pressure, no heat. Uh, and, and the Patriots look even better than last year with, with Cooks, Gilmore. Tim, I'd be surprised if the, uh, if the Pats get upset uh, Thursday night. Yeah, it seems like the Patriots have added to what was already a great team. And it's going to be interesting to me to see how the – public perception changes because it's changed so much of, about them over ye- over the years. Ira, you've mentioned it yourself that a lot of people are tired of them, tired of Belichick. They have the the bad taste of these various scandals, however minor or major they may be in your own mind. And it there's there's been kind of backlash, especially in the last few years against the Patriots. But then you look at their whole body of work and it's kind of coming back around where it's hard to it's hard to not recognize how historic this team and these group, this group of people, this Brady and Belichick together, specifically and Bob Kraft have been and how unique that is in football history. We might never see this again, and the NFL goes out of its way to make sure we probably won't see this again. So it's going to be fantastic to see their season start. I know a lot of people are sick of the Patriots, but you if you love football, you have to watch this team because, again, you could watch football for another 50 years and never see anything like this. Joe Henderson, Cincinnati, hosts the Baltimore Ravens. Flacco, who didn't 
play a single down in preseason will likely be under center in what is an opening round uh, key game, actually, for both teams. Yeah. Um, it, it, I would almost put it in a must-win category for the Bengals because they're mm-hmm. the home team, and they're coming off you know, a, a losing season, first, uh, first time in a long time under uh, Marvin Lewis. And if you lose this game at home to a team that they've had pretty good success against in recent years, the Ravens, um, then all of the bad things that people have been saying about your team all uh, in the offseason kind of come to a head. Um, I think the Bengals should win the football game. I don't think the Ravens are uh, a serious playoff contender at this point. Um, but we're going to find out, um, you know, what it's like for the uh, for the Bengals to have A.J. Green back in the lineup. Remember, he was out. Uh, toward the end of last season. They've added Joe Mixon uh, to what right now looks like a running back by committee. Um, and uh, But I think he will end up being the, the go-to guy before the season is uh, over. And, For um, Baltimore. Go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry? No, I was just – go ahead. No. Um, so – and and you mentioned Flacco's been out all year for for Baltimore and, and expected to be under center for this game. You know, uh, I don't think it's going to. Uh, he's a veteran. He's he's been around. He he'll be ready to play. Uh, the question's going to be: Can the Bengals' offensive line keep Andy Dalton upright? And if they if they can, I think the Bengals win the football game. For Baltimore, the um, situation is clearly defense. Um, they have really – they're going to bank on that defense for a while because the offense is not anywhere near where it needs to be. Well, you know, we don't know if it will be by the end of the season. But if you are a Baltimore Ravens fan, it's uh, something that is a mantra you haven't uh, – you know, you have not forgotten. And that is if, uh, if the Baltimore Ravens are going to win this year, it's going to be because of their defense. Meanwhile, they are in Chicago. Mr. Kaufman, the Atlanta Falcons open against the Bears uh, Sunday in, of course, Chicago, the defending NFC champions. Um, how do you see that thing shaking out? Well, Jim, you know, the bigger question uh, with the defending NFC champions is, um, you know, what effect will that Super Bowl loss have on Atlanta? Will, will it be a mm-hmm. great motivator? Or are they still thinking about that fourth quarter collapse uh, uh, against mm-hmm. Brady a uh, bunch? Um, Atlanta's still a potent offense. Uh, but I do think the loss of uh, Kyle Shanahan, who uh, was the assistant coach of the year last season, mm-hmm. uh, and replaced by Steve Sarkeesian, who has never been an offensive coordinator at, at the pro level, uh, I mm-hmm. think that's going to have an effect on, on Matt Ryan. From a Chicago standpoint, Jim, uh, John Fox hanging by a thread. Uh, I think it's going to be difficult for him to survive. And uh, Joe, Mike Glennon, good old Mike Glennon, gets the start. Um, he's not the quarterback of the future in Chicago, and he knows that. Uh, deja vu for Glennon. You know, there's always somebody uh, younger uh, looking over his shoulder. And here we go again with Trubisky. Uh, the Bears don't have much, Joe. They got a good running back in Jordan Howard. That's about it. 
Uh, another long year in the Windy City, uh, but I think a lot of eyes are going to be on the Falcons to see uh, if Dan Quinn can uh, keep these guys focused. Yeah, that's almost a um, – short of playing it at home, I don't think the NFL could have given the Falcons uh, a better opening week opponent. Uh, Chicago's not very good. Uh, you mentioned Mike Glennon is, is not the quarterback of the future. If this game goes really sour, he may not even be the quarterback of the present. Uh, it's unfortunate for him, but he's being paid well to uh, to deal with the indignity, so there is that. Um, there, you know, the Falcons, I agree with you about Shanahan, uh, the Shanahan effect. Um, honestly, I don't think the hangover from the Super Bowl will have that much impact, if if any, on what they what they do. Uh, they can certainly, if they go up there and, and beat the Bears like everybody believes they should, that'll go a long way toward uh, getting their mindset in the right in the right place. But I think it's less about what happened in the Super Bowl and more about how they adjust to life without Shanahan. Speaking of Shanahan and speaking of uh, rookie quarterbacks. We have Cleveland hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they will be showcasing their young quarterback. Yeah, the yeah good, good, good luck, Browns. <laughs> Go ahead, Tim. Um, Kaiser's going to get the start, and while, of course, the Steelers are looking for – well, they're they're in it for larger trophies at this point. They're one of the teams that – if you're not going to pick New England to win the AFC, they're one of the teams a lot of people are naming. So they're looking at a potential big season. But Cleveland, I've got to say, as much as we all like to kind of joke about the Browns, they're in a pretty decent position right now. Not that they're going to win, not that they're any good, but that expectations at this point are so low that if Deshaun Kaiser has a decent season, just even by rookie standards, just a decent season, that's going to be – that might as well be like Cleveland making the playoffs at this point. Just having anything to build on for the future would be great for them. So uh, it, as odd as it is to say rock bottom's not a bad position, for the Browns at least it means they can't fall any further. So it'll be good for their fans to see Kaiser start. The big hey, advantage they have is that – go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, Ira. Yeah, Jeff. One more quick thing about the Browns, Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw them against the Bucks in the third preseason game, um, and I was watching Miles Garrett, first pick in the draft, defensive end. I got to tell you, he looks like the real deal. I expect Garrett to have an immediate impact. You're right, Tim. Cleveland's not going anywhere, but they're starting to put pieces in place. And Miles Garrett, guys, coming off that right edge. He looks like a player. I'd be shocked if uh, if he doesn't have a big rookie season. Well, you know, Jack- Go ahead, Tim. Let it never be said that Ohio sports fans don't know their football. These are some pretty intelligent football fans as, as that sport goes. They're born and raised with it. They live and die with it. So if there's one group that's willing to be patient, Browns fans are going to know what to look for. And it's not just that they've been bad for so long. These are some smart football fans. They'll they'll be able to enjoy the building blocks. I would agree with you about 
the savvy, particularly of Cleveland fans. Uh, they know their stuff. But I'm going to throw an amazing number at you, Ivor Kaufman. Are you ready for this? Since the Cleveland Browns returned um, in 1999, how many seasons have they had where the same quarterback started all 16 games? None. One. 2001, Tim Couch. In the last four years, four, they have had in each of the each of those seasons three different starting quarterbacks. And so they're looking for stability. I, I have no idea why they acquired Brock Osweiler over the the off season, but at least you know they were smart enough to realize it was sunk cost. They had, they had and and just send him on his way. But uh, that was a that further muddied what they could have been doing to prepare a young quarterback for what he's going to face this season. Um, not totally confident in the management there. So uh, I hope it works out uh, for them. They're long-suffering fans. They're good people. But uh, golly, has this football team got a long way to go. Long well, best, way to go. The best thing Cleveland has going for them is the Indians. So they'll be playing well into October. Well, the Cavs aren't too bad either. No, no, that's not a bad fall, but fallback. Uh, two of the sexy teams that people like, Oakland, Tennessee. Oakland will open on the road at against Tennessee. Any thoughts on that one, gentlemen? I um, I see a lot of parallels, guys, between the Titans and the uh, and the Buccaneers. Um, and not just because uh, Winston and Mariota went one and two in in the 2015 draft. Uh, They've both shown a lot in their first two seasons. Mariota, unfortunately, got hurt last year. Tennessee has quietly, not a big market, uh, they've been building a a, a formidable team. Uh, Their offensive tackles, which were high draft picks, are studs. DeMarco Murray's a heck of a runner, takes a lot of pressure off Mariota. Uh, They've got savvy management. Tennessee's a sexy, chic pick, and I don't like the division that they're in. I don't think it's very strong. Then mm-hmm. you come to the Raiders. Uh, who knows where they would have finished last year if Carr didn't get hurt. Uh, their defense is suspect, guys, even with Khalil Mack. It's suspect. Mm-hmm. But they are they are going to score points, gentlemen. And uh, we'll see what impact Marshawn Lynch has. I don't think he's going to get 1,000 yards. But he's going to be better than uh, what they've had. He's played in big games. Um, but everybody loves Derek Carr. There's no reason to think that that mm-hmm. guy is not going to be uh, a stud in this league. Uh, he was coming on very strong last year. And um, look out for the Raiders. And I think both of these teams are going to make the playoffs. Okay. How about we take a quick look at um... – Jacksonville, they're on the road against Houston. That's a Sunday game, 1 o'clock kickoff in Houston. Oh, boy. Talk about people who are on their last chance. I think Blake Bortles, he's – if Jacksonville doesn't show something this season, specifically if Bortles doesn't show something very soon, they're going to have to change their long-term plans on offense, and that's – a tough thing for any team to do. And if you want to know how tough, 
just look across the field at Houston because outside of the quarterback position, Houston has a team that's in the mix for almost anything. I think Houston, as far as teams that could be a sleeper to do something on a large scale, the Houston Texans might be that team for me because their defense is amazing looking. And I think they can really do a lot if if they get something out of their quarterback position. But if Jacksonville's considering changing quarterbacks, and they may have to very soon, they just need to look at the Houston Texans to know how hard it can be to find the guy you need to win on the large level. Well, they think they found their guy. Um, the Texans do in Deshaun Watson. Uh, it's 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 an interesting gambit because the guy definitely we know the success he had in college. That doesn't always translate to the NFL, but uh, he he is to me one of the X factors not only for the Texans but actually for the whole league. I, I think you know if we all remember the impact RG3 had uh, with the Redskins, and it, I mean Jim, you were up there seeing it. It was mm-hmm. a, a phenomenon. People couldn't get enough of the guy. But when you are that mobile quarterback and playing that style, uh, it's almost inevitable you're going to get hurt. And, you know, I'm not saying that that we're going to see that replicated uh, with the Texans. I'm sure they're going to take every precaution they can to to protect their quarterback. But you got to play the style that that you're comfortable with. And and this guy's – a wide open player. Uh, he's going to take chances. Uh, I think he's going to be really good for, you know, at least in the short term, but then teams will get onto him. They will, they will discover how to stop him. And then it's, it's really up to the coaching staff there to make sure that they can keep him healthy and still keep the offense humming. Sunday night guys, New York, um, against Dallas, we know that Ezekiel Elliott will play. Yes, we do. And that changes the outlook of that game completely. Uh, I was, I would, I would have thought that, uh, of course the Giants beat him what twice last year with Ezekiel Elliott. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they're going to go, Oh dear, Ezekiel's playing. We don't have a chance, but, uh, I think this may tilt it a little bit toward Dallas. Ira? Uh, the Cowboys' defense, which has really helped them measurably by their great running attack, so they're not worn out. I think Dallas's defense faces a tough challenge, guys, because everybody talks about the weapons around Jameis Winston with the addition of Deshaun Jackson, uh, O.J. Howard. Look at the Giants, guys. Um, Beckham's as good as there is, and uh, believe me, he's going to play. He'll find a way to play, uh, bad ankle and all. They got Brandon Marshall. They got the kid Shepard, who was very good as a rookie. They've added a tight end, the first-round draft pick. And uh, if they can keep Manning upright, and Dallas doesn't have much of a pass rush, mm-hmm. Tim, this, this, this got the makings of a 35-31 game uh, Monday night, Tim. Or, uh, Absolutely. Sunday night? 
Yeah, it's yeah. a Sunday night game, and it really does have yeah. the makings of a high-scoring game. It's it's going to be up to the defensive coordinators to come up with something because, you know, it doesn't. It almost doesn't matter to me who's carrying the ball for Dallas. I know Elliott was fantastic as a rookie, but when you have a line as good as Dallas's offensive line is, they should be able to run the football. And New York, if they can prevent Dallas from running, that's going to turn that entire division on its head. I know they won two games against the Cowboys last year, but the Giants, at least on paper, they got better in the offseason. And the Cowboys will see how much of an impact Elliott has because he's going to miss games this year with his suspension, although he's going to play this week. So this is going to be a big game for the New York Giants, and it's going to be an even bigger game for the Cowboys because now that they know they're going to be missing Elliott for a chunk of the season, they need to get this big win while they have him. Okay, guys, I'm going to fly through the rest of the games real quick. Give me a... A one-liner, who wins, why, from your standpoint. These are the uh, the games of uh, interest to those people who are fans of the two, the two teams. Um, here we go. Real quick, um, we've got the Jets and the Bills. Uh, Jets are tanking. Uh, Bills aren't much better, but they're better than the Jets. Uh, Josh McCown, Henderson, need I say more? No. <laughs> Bills That's win enough. the football game. Who wins? The Bills. Bills. Okay. Real quick, let's go um, over to the Cardinals-Lions game. That's being played in Detroit. I'm going to go with Detroit in that one. Um, I think uh, the, the Lions are one of those kind of under-the-radar teams. They were pretty doggone good last year. And at this point, I don't think I trust Carson Palmer. Well, you got that uh, you got that kid from Georgia, Matthew Stafford, over on the Lions side. He's a pretty good ball player. I've heard that, yes. And he got paid, Jim. He got paid. Yes, he did. Absolutely, he did. All right, let's go to a game at FedEx Field. The Eagles taking on the Washington Redskins. You know, I don't know much about – I don't think people know what to expect out of the Eagles. I I really don't. Um, You know, they've got some good players, not a lot of them. they got a young quarterback. And uh, all Kirk Cousins does is put up big numbers on the other side. Uh, But the Redskins got a lot of holes. They've lost Deshaun Jackson. Uh, They've lost Chris Baker. I don't know what their wide receiver situation is, Jim. Uh, I'm going to go with the Eagles to uh, to open with a win in in the nation's capital. Well, you know, I, really the the situation is Cousins will play a lot of of um, it's, you're not going to see a lot of deep stuff from him, although that's what he likes to do. Uh, they're going to doink and dink their way down the field. I honestly. You could you could toss a coin on this one. I really think that these two teams are are such totally incredible, um, you know, question marks. Uh, we'll yeah. we'll know a little bit about each one of them after the game, but right now we don't know a hell of a lot about what they're going to do. And I say that as covering the Washington Redskins long enough to know <laughs> that even when you know, you don't know. So uh, anyway. 
moving on to a game that uh, will be witnessed by family and friends, the Colts and the Rams. You know, I, I, I think the Colts might need to be in for a big change coming soon. I, I'm not so sure besides Andrew Luck what what they have on their team and how good their team can be. And they might, you know, Andrew Luck, of course, we're not so sure how healthy he's going to be this year. So I, I think this is going to be a rough year for the Colts. And I think that by the end of it, they're going to have to be making some large adjustments a- after this season. Okay. Um, let's move on. then. Seahawks and the Packers. This is a pretty good game. That's a heck of a matchup. That is a heck of a matchup. Um, I'd like to see Michael Bennett back up all his chatter uh, with some outstanding play this season. He's, uh, he's very active on social media and social issues. Um, and when he's motivated, he's a heck of a player. Um, I think Green Bay is always dangerous, guys, always. Um, let's not forget, they went into Dallas in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And the Cowboys had a heck of a season. And they beat them in a shootout uh, and then lost to Atlanta. They couldn't match up to Atlanta's firepower. Um, yeah, Green Bay's defense is middle of the road. But, Joe, they got Aaron Rodgers. Jordy Nelson's back. He was big last year. No reason to think he won't be just as good. Uh, Green Bay's scary. And, uh, boy, they can put up points in a hurry. Uh, they won their last six games of the regular season. Joe, Green Bay, they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Oh, yeah. And and remember last year, like early in the season, mid, uh, when when the Packers were struggling and and people up there were, oh, we got to fire the coach, we got to make changes and all this. It's Everybody just, like, like Aaron Rodgers said, everybody just needs to relax and let them play. I do like the Packers in this game, although – you know, obviously, uh, the it could go it, – it will go either way. I mean, the, the Seahawks could easily win the football game. But I just like – Aaron Rodgers has that it factor. And you mentioned Jordy Nelson being back. I think that makes a difference. I think the Packers win the game. Ira, you mentioned Michael Bennett, and I just want to – set my fellow Bucks fans at ease and remind them while you mentioned him that Mark Dominic is still fired. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah, he, uh, he whiffed on that one. Come Monday night, it'll be a doubleheader boys. And let's first start with the saints and Vikings followed by the chargers and the Broncos. So saints Vikings first up on Monday night, chargers Broncos, the nightcap. You know, you should just go out and go to the game because watching Drew Brees in that offense, guys, it's kind mm-hmm. of worth the price of admission. Uh, sure. The players around Brees change every year. They got Adrian Peterson this year, by the way, in the backfield mm-hmm. to go along with uh, Ingram and, and a rookie named uh, Kamara, mm-hmm. who uh, who might turn out to be a good third down uh, back. Um, but Brees is incredible. I mean, he's one of these guys like Brady who uh, it doesn't matter what the cast around them is. They they uh, they make these guys into stars. Tim, look at a guy like Hogan. If Chris Hogan was playing for the Eagles, mm-hmm. would anybody talk about Hogan? But, no. you know, last year, he, he made some big catches. 
because he's got a guy that uh, puts the ball uh, in the bread basket. And, and mm-hmm. Breeze is like that. Um, Chargers and Broncos is the game. Game two of this doubleheader. That's the one Beth Mowens is going to call. Chargers and Broncos. Broncos. Defense. Okay. Defense beats I do. I, I, you know, I do have to say that for all of the years that I've done fantasy football, um, I've always had um, Philip Rivers on my team, and he's always scored a lot of points for me. Not necessarily for the Chargers, but he scored a lot of points for my team. And he's um, very durable, Jim. He's very oh, hell durable. Yeah. He reminds yeah. me a lot of what you're talking about, Brees. I mean, he, you know, he just you plug him in, let him play, and uh, you know, he he scores points. Um, it's a lot of times, not enough, but you know, he puts he puts up some good numbers. So a lot of Broncos. Okay, Broncos to win over the Chargers from uh, from the from the Peanut Gallery here. Okay, well, guys, let's do our quick uh, one and done here. Um, things you're going to be looking for in social media. We'll start with Mr. Henderson. Go ahead. Well, I'm going to be uh, kind of looking uh, to see how Aaron Rodgers does. I'm I'm really curious about that. To me, that is kind of the uh, maybe the marquee matchup of the opening week. Sorry, Giants and mm-hmm. Cowboys. Uh, I just like that game. So um, if they are able to shake off what happened to them uh, at the end of their playoff run last year, I agree with what you said earlier, that they are legit Super Bowl contenders, and we're going to find out right away if that is true. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the initial J Henderson Tampa. Mr. Kaufman, your thoughts? You can find me uh, on uh, social media uh, at iKaufman76. I'm going to take the flip side of uh, what Joe Henderson just said. Uh, Mm -hmm. Instead of Aaron Rodgers, I'm going to focus on the guy under center for the Seahawks. Russell Wilson, gentlemen, by Russell Wilson standards, uh, didn't have a a very good season in 2016, and Seattle paid the price. Uh, He was hurt. He played hurt, but people should not forget that this guy is an elite quarterback. Now, he came into camp in the middle of the season. The Bucks were in a five-game winning streak uh, in the midst of it, and, and they made him look awful. Uh, they scored five points that day um, and uh, could not move the ball And Ray J. Um, I'm looking for a big year from Russell Wilson, mostly because I took him uh, in the Fantasy League temp last week. And... Um, I like this matchup against Green Bay. Uh, Packers defense doesn't scare me. So don't sleep on the Seahawks, Tim. They got a lot of swagger, and they will as long as uh, they had the Legion of Dooms around and Pete Carroll. The team with a lot of confidence, and justifiably so. You know, I think they've had five straight years of double-digit wins. So heck of a matchup. I look for a bounce-back year from Russell Wilson, Tim. Tim, you're up. You can find me on Twitter at Tim Writes Sports. And I'm going to start watching something I'm going to watch for all season. And that's to see how the defenses, now that they've had a few years with the new contact rules, with the new pass interference rules, with this changing landscape, I'm going to see how defenses adjust because we know the NFL is kind of defined by eras and trends and everyone following the leader. And when someone figures something out, everyone else kind of follows suit. 
we've had such a passing offense oriented league for the last few years that sooner or later I'm expecting there's going to be a new almost kind of defense, a new style of defense that's going to start kind of shutting down these large passing offenses. And I don't know what that would be or whether it's coming anytime soon, but just knowing NFL history, it's coming. And I'm going to keep watching the defenses and see how they respond to what has been a quarterback-dominated league for a while because as much as we think that's, that's how football is right now, it's not how football is going to be forever. Football changes a lot. So I'm going to be interested to see how the defenses have started to adjust to a changing football landscape that has not been kind to defensive players in the past. I'll be back with the close of the show right after these words from Amazon Prime Channels. If you're a subscriber to Amazon Prime, then you got to be checking out Amazon Prime Channels because there is some of the best television streamed out there right on Amazon Prime Channels, and you get the best deals for those premium services. How about HBO Now, Showtime Anywhere, Stars? They're all part of the Amazon Prime Channels. They each give you a free trial, and then it's a much lower monthly fee than offered anywhere else. That's right. HBO Now, Showtime Anytime, Stars. We know we like them. Great streaming services, and you can get them for less than anywhere else if you get them through the Amazon Prime Channel Store. If you like British television, and who doesn't? There's fantastic deals from BritBox and Acorn, along with PBS. These services give you the best from the BBC, ITV, and other outstanding services around the world. The best in British, Australian, and Canadian content offered by BritBox and, of course, by Acorn. Check out all the complete Amazon Prime channels today and add them to your streaming experience. That's Amazon Prime channels. Okay, that brings to a close this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. And if you're not subscribing to us, then shame on you because it's simple enough to do. All you have to do is go to the iTunes store. You can get us at Stitcher. You can also get us right here at Blog Talk Radio or at Google Play. So that's four places that you can subscribe to the Sunshine Boys podcast. It'll be delivered directly to your phone, no problem, okay? So... For Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson, the Sunshine Boys themselves. For Tim Williams, who joins us uh, from Boston. And for Danny Mantle, who uh, is our special guest. And as we said before, all the information about Danny's uh, memorabilia and the cards can be found in our description box right here at uh, the Sunshine Boys podcast. So we hope and pray that it is an uneventful weekend as the hurricane is not White headed to Florida just yet, but uh, will be very soon. We uh, obviously want everybody to stay safe. Enjoy your weekend, but more than anything, be safe this weekend. Until next time, I'm Jim Williams for the Sunshine Boys podcast. Be well.